0: Hi, welcome to the Big Commerce Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Big Commerce Podcast. My name's Luigi. I'm the founder of Callashock Commerce, a specialist big commerce systems integrator. Today it's a solo cast. Normally, I'm joined by my colleague Dozier, who's our marketing manager, but unfortunately, he's not feeling well this week, so I'll be taking things on. Um, but it's going to be a short one anyway, so um, bear with me. So, I um, what part of my role at Callashock is to run our client workshops. Um, I, I'm very fortunate to be able to travel around europe and north america visiting our clients and running workshops on their behalf understanding why they're re-platforming and um, what are the uh, pain points of their current infrastructure if they have one what are the objectives of the new solution and working alongside the client to, to craft the um best i guess solution to to meet their needs which doesn't always align with kind of their initial expectations on both sides it could be that they've massively underestimated what they can achieve with their new website or at the same time they've kind of you know got some grandiose dreams and sometimes they need to be reined back and um, said Look, you know we need to these need to be prioritized this project's going to take too long if you try to achieve all these objectives and get all your ducks in a row so let's prioritize that so over the last I don't know how many years that I've been doing these workshops, there there is a common theme with uh, kind of some merchants that when we start the actual discovery process, uh, which normally consists of two or three day workshops on site, where we get to understand um, the client, their business, their competition, their market, um, really immerse ourselves um, in the client's business so that we stand on the same side of the, as as our clients, um, look in the same direction, and kind of you know together um work on on crafting that and, and when we do these workshops um i tend to run them but i'm also joined by um my colleagues in design and um, occasionally one or two or oh, not every, every time with a developer but occasionally uh more than one developer depending on the complexity of the project if there's integrations to consider as well and one of the um kind of um I, I wouldn't really call them frustrations, but sometimes what's difficult is when the client is unprepared. And I can't fault them for that because for a lot of our merchants, the last two or three years have really thrown them into the deep end of e-commerce. So they haven't had kind of a um, a, a reasonable growth curve. It's, for some, it's been hockey stick um, kind of growth. So they have to adapt very quickly. And, and sometimes, you know, they, they need help Which is partly why they come to to us as an agency, but at the other times, you know, they just certain things are overlooked. So today we're going to just go through a list of five things that you, as as a merchant, need to do before calling in an agency to start working on um, on your website. You want to be prepared for when you're kicking off a project, but also be prepared to understand kind of why you're undertaking this project because a replatform project. Um, and I guess you could tailor this um, to some extent if you're launching a new website, um, but this one's ma- mainly for for um, re-platforms. Um, th- the important thing is that you are prepared, and we're not wasting time, and we're not making assumptions because that is just going to go. It could go wrong so many different ways. If and, and uh, fundamentally, a, a re-platform is an investment. You're saying, you know, this is we're going to put 50000 pounds towards this project because we want to grow our sales we want to achieve efficiencies we want to be more lean you know but they are all positive rois if you start kind of seeing that the sales have plateaued and are still the same it's taking you the same amount of time to process an order or the same amount of uh, man hours then that is what we call a failure in terms of a, a project process and, and luckily we've not been we've not been involved in any of those today so the first one is uh, the first point is um, I guess to under, to know your client. So um, these are kind of different to the to the ones we have to do with our banks, but fundamentally it's that we get to know, or you get to know, what your client does when they go on your website. So one of the first things to do is to install a heat mapping tool like Hotjar or Crazy Egg. What heat mapping tools do is they basically track what your visitors are doing when they're on your website. So um, the, you get a heat map, which shows you, um, as the name suggests, kind of, you know, the heat. So the hotter is is the more kind of uh, busy area and blue, the colder is the less busy area. And it shows you where people are clicking, where they're scrolling. Um, you know, basically, it kind of tracks the mouse. And that's super important for for two reasons. The first one is we understand what information, because uh, you can also do recordings through um heat mapping tools, we understand which information your customers are looking for. So, uh, you know, are they looking for technical information? Are they looking at description or are they not even looking at the description? Um, these are the kind of things that we need to understand because what that then allows us to do is when we go into the wireframing stage and the design stage is make sure that the elements that are most important to your customers to, in order to make an, you know an informed purchase are being accommodated so they're not having to search for something that fundamentally is going to be super important for them in making a decision whether to add the product to the car or not so by and and we saw this recently with um w- with a merchant whereby they had they designed quite meticulously their homepage based on what they believed would be or is the journey their customer is uh, is taking so they put categories on the homepage. they'd They'd merchandised those categories, so they'd prioritise them out of out of I don't know how many fifty or eighty categories they had. They put like the top twelve. Um, they'd they'd curated the menu bar, um, and they were I wouldn't say proud, but they were quite happy. saying, so, you know, we've we, over the years we've kind of worked on this, and, and so on. anyway, uh, we start the workshop. We you know as, as we do kind of tell them to put heat mapping tool in there, so they used Hotjar, and actually eighty percent of their visitors used the search bar. And very, very few like single digits managed to to kind of do the the customer journey that um that the customer that our client thought um thought was the case. So first of all, it, it kind of gave me a different perspective because it was kind of like an aha uh-huh moment saying, right, we didn't realize. Um now we understand. But the other thing that it allowed them to do was they then started to um research kind of enhanced search uh, platforms like Clevu because what they identified and therefore understood was that their customers are like we all do in essence i won't say lazy but we want the easiest we're like water take the easiest path water always takes the easiest path so we go into the search and we we look for, you know we, we search for the product we're looking for but unlike most kind of econ platforms that have a standard search um, uh, functionality, they went for an enhanced one. So uh, the example is if, if somebody's searching for a um, the maroon shirt, for example, um, and you don't sell maroon, you sell burgundy, then using synonyms, you can actually have the burgundy appear. Um, and so that then completely turned their approach on how their their, their customers navigate their website. Um, and. You know, gave them the information they needed to make informed decision rather than assuming or just you know kind of trusting us um, but not having the data to back that up so uh, understand what your visitors are doing when they're on on the website it'll also start to understand why people may be leaving a page where maybe there's click rage so we've seen that before where there was a there was a search icon um, which was also the um kind of the, the the command button. So when, when you do a search, you have to then click the icon again, led to massive click rates. You need to kind of make it very easy to for people to understand that when they start typing, if you've got already the, the functionality to show the drop, you know, list of, of the results. But alternatively, kind of make it very easy to say, this is what you need to click, you know, whether it's a go or search, but a button anyway, a command, to be able to, um, to you know, kind of avoid any ambiguity. So that's the first thing is understand on-site user behavior. The second one is understand the user journey. So possibly, how did they get to your website in the first place, or how did they enter your website? Um, It depends very much on different industries. Um, Direct to consumer, most visits will kind of tend to come through a homepage because people will go for the brand, they know the brand. Um, I'm I'm really generalizing here, but then for B2B potentially where people are searching for a particular Product and/or maybe know the code, they can come straight into the product description page. So it's really understanding where the most of your visits come through, because that way you can make sure that you're putting enough attention to uh, again curate that user journey, but make sure that you're optimizing it as well. So you know, most people coming in through your blog because it's inbound traffic. In which case, you need to make sure that a your content marketing strategy um, you know continues to grow, but secondly, are you doing enough on those blog pages? to merchandise your products, to promote them, to make it very easy for people to go from blog page to product page or to category. Um, So understand what your customer is doing. Kind of, you can use Google Analytics for this. You can see the exit pages as well. So the entry page and the exit pages to understand where people are leaving and start identifying those issues. Um, And you can then prioritize this journey in the new website. So that's fundamental. Don't assume that everyone comes in through the homepage or potentially through a landing page of a Google search, it could be that actually organic traffic is leading the way, or social traffic, or email campaigns, content, whatever it is. Just make sure that you have that that information, and you're not kind of saying um are assuming when you're on a workshop with with an agency. Third point is know what your customers like and don't like. And my, we've all had kind of emails from uh, various companies saying, you know, from a scale of zero to 10, you know, how likely are you to recommend us? That's called a net promoter score. And it skewed very much in the favor of um, kind of um, dissuading, so kind of towards the negative side of things. So, so basically, if you rate somebody nine or 10, you are a promoter. Um, if you uh, rate somebody seven to eight, you're kind of a passive customer, but actually anyone rating you from zero to six, is somebody that A, you need to listen to because you need to say, why, why are they rating us from zero to six? Why are they not rating us seven or eight or nine or 10? But they're detractors. So you need to make sure that you identify what are the things that are creating detracting customers? Is it that your shipping costs are too high? Or maybe even that the, the packaging materials you use aren't eco-friendly or there's too much packaging, there's too much plastic. Um, Maybe actually customers are giving you a seven, eight, nine, or ten because your turnaround time is quick or because you use one courier over another. The communication process is um, is great. maybe there's no friction, or conversely, maybe there is friction. You don't offer maybe digital wallets. maybe people really want would like you to use Apple Pay or Google Pay because your competitors do, and you're the only one that doesn't. Maybe you make customers jump through a five page checkout process. So NPS campaigns, Net Promoter Scores, you can Google search that. Um, a lot of companies, SurveyMonkey, Clavio, they all offer these um, solutions. And if you start getting that client feedback, then you can then address them during the discovery phase so that you're able to better serve your customers. Again, you're not making assumptions. You are. And some you know might be unrealistic. You, know, you might get somebody saying, I gave you a four because you charge £1.50 for delivery. Well, fair enough. But, you know, delivery is not free so you know there are certain things that you can justify but conversely if somebody says you charge 6.95 for economy delivery that's something you need to address um so the next um thing is to make a list of features once you've kind of got this information is make a list of features and then prioritize them so again going back to um you know the payments you're gonna to have to say right you know the, the website has to accept credit card and debit card payments uh, maybe pax payments depending where you are in, in in the world you might you know if you're in 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 the netherlands you might have to accept or you will have to accept ideal um so for for uh, you know germany klarna for for scandinavian nordics so these are all things that you need to make sure that your website is going to have don't assume that, you know, you, your agency is going to be, you know, you need to make sure, and your agency will pull this information from you during the workshop anyway, but you need to make sure that you're giving them the information to say, we need Klartner, or and, or we need, so forth, Ideal, PayPal, credit debit cards, Google Wallet, um, uh, Apple Pay, and so on. Um, maybe it needs integration with a courier. Maybe it needs an integration with an ERP system. It needs to offer subscriptions and the ability to customize subscription periods. Um, put everything down in, 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 a, in a list so you get a google sheet and you put all your you put a, a numbers from one to let's say 250 or 350 and then next to each of those points um you can put in your your requirements and then you try and group them so it could be payments it could be design it could be plp product listing page product description page shipping so at least that way you can start categorizing the promotions and marketing and so on um then what you need to do is prioritize them now There is a system, a bit of a kind of hot topic, every time we bring it up at the moment, um, we kind of get raised eyebrows, but it's called the Moscow prioritization. So must have, should have, could have, and will not have. So, and this, we use this very much when we um, have to kind of launch in phases. So phase one might be an MVP, minimum viable product or project. Um, It must have these features. Without these features, we're not going live. Um, So again, it could be right, you know, we need ideal, or we need so forth. We need promotions to be able to do, you know, uh, buy two get one, you know, get one extra free, or buy one get one free, or you know, spend a hundred pounds and get free delivery, um, spend a hundred pounds and get five percent off your next order, whatever it is. Um, that kind of the must haves integrations with an email marketing system and so on. The next one is it should have. So it should have Apple Pay because I've understood from my MPS uh, campaign that customers would like me to start offering google or apple pay or or whatever so it should have this and that's still kind of a a two out of four if you like or, or three out of four rather um, kind of requirement number three is could have so it could be that it's native within the econ platform that you choose but actually it's not on your list of requirements but if it's there great you'll use it um and so that's kind of a, a could have and the fourth one is will not have so i will not have this feature so just make sure things that you don't want um, you know there's obviously you can make an exhaustive list of things you don't want but just make sure that kind of you know I uh, you know one of them could be you no know, I, I don't want um I don't want to offer bank payments for example or I don't want a five page checkout um I don't want a sliding carrot like an automatic sliding carousel I want the customer to be able to select when to go to the next uh, slide which is good user experience by the way so um prioritize that um and make sure that kind of you're you're all in agreement you've spoken to all the stakeholders within business you know within accounting within logistics within marketing and put that list together so again you're kind of having a mini pre-workshop workshop to be able to kind of provide this information and um, then also look at your current tech stack because um Sometimes changing e-commerce platforms means looking at all the systems that integrate with it. So most ERP systems can be integrated in some way, shape, or form um, with an e-com platform through APIs, uh, JSON, XML, or even CSV with a FTP. So where you basically upload um, the... the C- you generate a CSV file automatically and it gets uploaded or, or the other way around. And um, just make sure that all those things are suitable and will work. And if you don't know that, just... Again, make a list of all the the, the the tech systems that you've got in place. So your email marketing system, your payment gateway, um, your shipping provider, your warehouse management system, your you know inventory management, everything. Um, and then if you can, kind of pull off the information, see what technology is available to be able to integrate and be able to kind of provide that. Because it may be that actually the email marketing system, apart from maybe you know not being as good as what's available nowadays, because it's kind of technology has evolved, and and your agency should. Recommend that you review your whole tech stack just to make sure you're making the most of of the technology that's out there. So again, you know, going back to kind of um, our role as as an agency, because this is an investment, we need to make sure that you are using the best tools to get the job done so you know we're we're big fans of Clavio and dot digital in terms of email marketing because they're so comprehensive and they're so flexible and they give you so much data um that you're then able to segment your customers and say right these are the customers that are most likely to you know lose so they, you could do a win back campaign because maybe they haven't you know they haven't placed an order for six months or placed one order and it was over six months ago for example and these are the v i p s these are the ones that you need to make sure you nurture and you can start segmenting your campaigns and tailoring them to um to make sure that you kind of increase the lifetime value. Fifth and final point, which isn't easy, um, and some um, our merchants have it ready because they have it anyway, um, and others kind of shrug their shoulders, um, and there can still be quite sizable businesses, so don't assume that these are kind of, you know, one man bands or small businesses, um, is prepare a marketing plan. Now, to, to prepare a marketing plan is a big investment, both in time and resources, um, or if you're bringing in consultant, Uh, Money, but it's the minimum that we need in order to be able to make sure that we deliver a website that your customers will want to buy from. Because if you go on to um, a homewares website and then you go to an automotive website and then you go to a protein website, you will see that all three will have a different look and feel because they are targeted to different customers. They are in different industries. I'll I'll grant you that, but there will be people that you know are into cars and also into you know kind of. Uh, going to the gym and you know keeping fit but at the same time you know maybe they're also interior designers or they like interior design so it's very important to kind of not to generalize but it's making sure that you understand your customer your target customer who you're targeting exactly so you can kind of put together a target persona where you normally say you know kind of have a picture of this person you give them a name and age you you understand kind of their their uh, family situation their career you know the, the kind of things that they look their this their buying method decision Um, kind of rationale. So that's important. We need to understand who you're targeting. You can have, you know, two slash three, not too many. Sometimes you have a B2B and a B2C customer, but it's really important to understand who it is that we're targeting. So that when we then kind of review the design, so let's hypothetically say that, you know, our target customer is called John, Um, you know, does this tick the boxes that John, you know, would kind of tick himself when making that decision? Um, you know is it is it answering the questions that he's got is it kind of resonating with the buying process and decision making process so that's first thing that you need to do when in in that kind of marketing realm the second one is brand guidelines now this is really important because it has to your the new website unless you know unless you don't have a brand and, and you're going to get a you know a, a, a you're going to rebrand, in which case any agency that's kind of rebranding and worth their sort will give you brand guidelines. But it's really important that we adhere to them when we're designing so that we're making sure we're using the right colors, we're using the right spacing around any logos, we're using the right digital assets like photos. It's, it's given the right image. Um, you know Apple if you look their kind of brand is obviously very curated you go on a website and you know it's an you know you we all know what the Apple website looks like um, but if you imagine start putting in there you know Comic Sans as a font or you know photos of I don't know you know people using their phone at a concert or a, or a sports venue it doesn't resonate with the brand the brand is very clean slick and we know that. And we also go into the tone of voice. So Virgin is a very good brand where their tone of voice is a bit tongue in cheek. It's quite, you know, kind of uplifting. Um, whereas other kind of um, brands are, if you look at something like Burberry, their tone of voice is, is you know, very kind of, um, I, I guess, serious as well and, and, and less is more t- uh, approach. So the tone of voice is very important as well. And, and you can Google search a lot of these things. Two of the websites that I'm very fond of, one is Nielsen Norman Group. They're a usability consultancy. And another one is Baymard. Um, And so if you kind of use those two resources, you can Google search them. You'll get a lot of information or use Google itself um, around tone of voice and the importance of making sure that your brand and then your website um, adheres to to that tone of voice. Is it masculine? Is it feminine? Is it kind of quirky? Is it serious? You know, when we do our workshops, we have a list of like 40 um kind of different ways that you can describe the tone of voice and you know say yes or no and then we put that together into into the report um it's also important and i've kind of had mixed reviews around using brand archetypes but i'm quite fond of them because they actually start i mean when it's we we run this quiz it's a it's a brand archetype quiz if you google search vision one archetype quiz um you'll be able to run itself and it's It normally takes like half an hour, 40 minutes if if you've got more than kind of three, four people on the on the workshop because they start debating it. So it's, uh, you know, it starts talking about your values. It starts talking about kind of how people perceive you, how your customers perceive you. And I mean, if you look at the kind of brand archetype, you've got the magician, you've got the sage. Um, It's a really interesting concept. And you start seeing kind of around how different brands that we all know, the caregiver, I think the everyday guy is one of them. Um, it's really interesting to kind of see how you fit in, and really what the what, how you you positively um, affect those things, and how you negatively also. You know what the negative connotation of being part of that brand archetype. What are the things that kind of really, uh, in essence, tick you off? Um, you can have two or three brand archetypes. You could fall into two or three, um, but it's really important that you look at the positives and the negatives, and then you incorporate those into your uh, marketing plan, but also then your your website as well. Um, because that's how your customers will then or how you will want to be perceived and obviously that's how your customers are going to behave so there are five things that um, you need to do before calling in an agency just to kind of recap it's really important to understand on-site user behavior so through heat mapping understanding where they're clicking where they're you know where maybe there's click range what information they're looking for so that we can do the you know any agency rather, can do the correct uh, page layout for you. Uh, the second one is understand the user journey. Where do most visitors enter? Where do most visitors exit? Um, and understand why they're, you know, they're going from one page template to another page template and, and so on. Just understand that journey. Um, and in the meantime, while you're kind of collating all the data, you can make those tweaks to your current website, so A-B test it in essence, um, or if not, just kind of, a test it, so actually make those changes um, and understand kind of why, you know, it, it, what the results of that are, so that you can at least, again, come more prepared to the workshop and, you know, incorporate those changes into the new website. Third is understand what your customers like and don't like through net promoter score campaigns, NPS uh fourth one is making a list of your features and prioritizing them using the moscow prioritization um look at your competitors for that you know kind of what are things that they have they don't have you know maybe you both offer subscriptions but your competitor offers the ability to customize the subscription period instead of just saying it's every two weeks or four weeks um you know maybe someone could do three weeks or five weeks or, or seven or nine um and review your tech stack to make sure that it's suitable for uh you know the e-commerce platforms that you're evaluating. And the fifth one is is prepare a marketing plan. Not an in-depth kind of, you know, 60 document if you don't have the time. The main things there is to understand your target customer, um, to create target customer. You have brand guidelines and tone of voice and look into the brand archetype with the Vision One brand archetype quiz. I hope you found value in today's solo cast. Um, This will certainly kind of help you if if you are looking at replatforming um, and it will help your agency to better support you because you've come prepared for uh, for the meeting. And so we all know that uh, failing to plan is planning to fail. And when it comes to kind of e-commerce website investments, as I said, you know, you're talking 20, 30, 40, 50, 100,000 pounds, and that's a lot of money to, to be kind of coming into um, without the data and the knowledge to back it up. So make sure that your investment goes far and you get the most out of your re-platform. Um, if you've enjoyed today's show, share it with um, with your network, follow us on social media um, and feel free to send us an email info at thebig.commercepodcast.fm. Thanks very much for listening.